Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Barbara, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, my question is, um, I think I have two. This home we bought, uh, we just moved into in December of last year. And we're noticing that the doors are sticking in the house. Mm-hmm. And also, when we go into the laundry room, we turn on the electrical, the lights. And if we have anything on, like the radio in the living room or the bedroom or the kitchen, they, they buzz really loudly, like like a bee. Okay. And then, um, so I just wanted to know, what do you think we should do? Well, let's start with the electrical first. Um, okay. Are the light bulbs incandescent are they led or fluorescent i believe they're incandescent okay uh, if that's the case then that's an indication you've got a a short somewhere and it's not like it's a a total cut line it's probably just a loose connection so i would tell you give berkey's electrical a call and just let them come out trace it down and find out what's going on okay uh, you can reach them at 877-BERKEYS, B-E-R-K-E-Y-S. Okay. Uh, and and the reason I was asking if, of the different types of bulbs, in some cases, if you have a, a uh, LED bulb and certain types of switches, it will actually make them buzz when they're on as well. And so it may be as simple as changing out a light switch. But... Um, you know, from if it's incandescent, then yeah, it's a, it's an indication that there is a just an issue when the power is flowing through. So, uh, okay. so on the foundation possible question here, you got some doors that are sticking, and have they done that since you bought the house, or is it just something starting? It just started about three months ago, and we okay. just moved in in December. So, and is this a new home or an older home? Uh, it was built in 2018, sat on the lot until we bought it and moved in December the 10th of last year. Okay. So it could be one of a couple possibilities. Obviously, it can be that you're getting a little bit of foundation movement, uh, but are you seeing any cracks or, or anything like that? Not so far. Okay. The other thing, and I think this is more likely what, what the cause is, that built that house sat empty for a long time. Building materials expand and contract with the temperature and moisture changes. And when you started living in the home, you've changed the humidity levels. And so the building materials would react a little bit. And so it could be that doors had really tight tolerances. And with the change in humidity levels, it, it needs just some minor adjustments. And once that's done, you'll probably be fine. Okay, great. And that would just be the humidity, um, adjusting the door again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now, did you buy it from the builder or somebody else? Oh, no. We bought it from a builder. And to be very honest, if we had known what we had known uh, at time of a signing, uh-huh. we would have walked away. We would have definitely walked away, but we didn't know. You know what I mean? Um, right. what, what was What's the problem? Well, the survey was wrong, and the house sat longer than we were told. And um, some people came by later after we moved in and told us all the 
the reason it sat so long was because of all the problems the builder had, and it was his first build ever. Uh, well, as far as adjusting those doors, mm-hmm. that actually falls back on the builder. Okay. Well, we addressed it. We've been telling him, and he says everything is all minor annoyances. Yes. I, I don't I don't disagree, but uh-huh. fix it. Yeah, he should I, fix it. Exactly. You bought a new okay. house. Not a not an annoying house. Fix it. Okay, great. Okay, now, perfect. And even if it is foundation and uh, you know just FYI, typical in Texas is the foundation is covered for 10 years. And okay. that's usually what happens if it ends up going to court. So in order to protect yourself, because I really don't think you have a foundation issue, but if you want to protect yourself, uh, you can give my office a call at Due West. We'll come out and do a drawing of the house, take elevation readings. Okay. Now you have a benchmark to compare back to five years or whatever in the future to see, okay, this is where the house was sitting, and now here's where the house is sitting. It's moved you know, two inches or three inches or whatever mm-hmm. at the time, but... Uh, it, it just gives you a benchmark to measure everything else against in the future. Max, how are you? Hey, Jim. Uh, in today's political climate and all the turmoil and this virus am going on, it's just so relaxing to listen to your show. I really appreciate it. I've been listening to you for a while. Thank you. I, this is a convoluted question. I'm lucky enough to retire early, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life backpacking all over the world. But I want a bunker to hunker down when I have to come back every couple of years to do finance or whatever. And I have a piece of property that tax assessors really don't know what I have on it. And I'm lucky enough to have a 45-foot containerized uh, shipping container on it. It's pretty good shape. And and I've been on YouTube uh, looking at how people buy them. and, uh, And I've got a lot of it worked out. But the term thermal bridging comes up and I wanted to maybe ask you about two solutions I'm thinking of. And a, since I'm down in central Texas, it's about 10 degrees hotter uh, than the Dallas area year round in it. And this thing can turn into an oven. And I was thinking either studying it out on the inside with uh, wood two by fours or metal or whatever. And I, I lose about a foot of living space, which I really don't care. Or I I'll would tell you what, about- Max, if you'll hold on a second, I've actually built units out of shipping containers before, and I'll come right back and we'll finish talking about that real quick here. Love to Texas hear it, Sean. Thank you. Max, are you there still? I am here, man. Okay, let me ask you a quick question on this because we got real limited time right now. Okay. Are, is this con- container going to be sitting outside where the sun's going to be beating on it? Yeah, and I was thinking about welding an A-frame on it. That's okay. no problem. Well, here's what I would do then. The, on the outside, whatever paint you use, mix in some cool coat in it. This is a product okay. that you can mix into paint, and it, it helps reflect the heat. And so, yeah, because I've, what I've the biggest that. kiss of death is, that metal, when it heats up, also heats up your insulation. On the inside, you're going to want to use a spray foam insulation. And your two by four studs don't have to be turned to where it's a, you know, a, a like a house being built. Lay them flat up against the wall. Put it on the rib that's sticking inside the container, 
And that leaves you a lot of insulation space between the studs in order to, you know, uh, insulate better. And, and like with foam insulation, for every inch of foam you get, you're going to have an R4 to an R6.5. You're going to easily get about three to six inches of foam, depending on which side of the ribs you're on and stuff. So it'll insulate well that way, and then you can put whatever wall covering you want inside, and you got a well-insulated unit then that's ready to go, and you can build it out however way you want inside. I've never... I've never thought about running them that way. I've never seen it on YouTube. That's interesting. Are you saying to lay down the spray foam first or go ahead and put in my Put your studs in first. Wood, put the spray foam in first. No, put so your studs needs... put your studs okay. in first. One, okay, that's great. I've got everything else worked out that's not going to kill me like electrical. Yeah. One other question I was thinking about is uh, it, this is back in the woods. The only thing that sees it is rattlesnakes and deer. Yep. I was thinking about stacking bales of hay on the outside. Oh, absolutely. Do you have a problem with that? No, none at all. Huge insulating factor. Works well. They used to build houses that way. We're going to head to Missouri City. Ed, how are you today? No, pretty good on this wonderful day. Yeah, we got lucky on this one. We, we, yeah, could, sure we could have been like Louisiana cleaning up today. Yeah, amen. My heart goes out to those folks. Yep. Listen, I have a house built in uh, 1976. It's on a slab, and the the driveway is up the side of the house, and the garage is in the back. Okay. And when they poured when they poured the garage, I mean, excuse me, when they poured the driveway, the the uh, cement of the driveway is right up against the slab of the house. Yep. For the length of the house on that side. And uh, the house was leveled before I bought it, which was 25 years ago. Okay. And I've noticed now that there's there's a, a like a scene where the concrete driveway butts up against the slab of maybe an eighth of an inch or maybe a quarter of an inch about part way down, and I noticed when it rains, the water runs in there. Okay. Like, and I can stand there for a while, and it seems like a bunch of water goes in there. And I'm worried. That's the side of the house that was leveled. Okay. And I was wondering, should I <laughs> caulk that seam so the water can't get in there anymore? Uh, if the driveway is sloping in that direction, which it sounds like it is, actually I would recommend that you caulk it and seal it that way. Uh, they make regular expansion joint caulks, uh -huh. uh, and that that's what you would want to use. Mm. But they, they, I've seen that expansion caulk, and yeah. it won't go in that that that. Uh, that oh, it, I mean, it'll it'll go it, down a, a little bit, but basically, you're just sealing over it. Uh huh. And and uh, just so you'll know that that there's a, from the gutters, there's a drain pipe that empties right there on the driveway, yeah. but it does drain away from the house. Okay, but when mm -hmm. when it's really raining, there's a bunch yeah. of water coming out, and I notice that it goes in that that crack. Yeah. And, and, and I'm worried that maybe it's 
washing out the dirt or something underneath. Well, and that's the reason I'm telling you go ahead and seal it some because, yes, it will to a degree wash soil a little bit, not just under the house but under the driveway as well. Because the driveway uh-huh. oh, is only four uh, inches yeah. thick, yeah, and the and the the right. beam on the house is probably, given the age of your home, probably eighteen inches. So you know it's going to wash under the house, uh, under the driveway more than it's going to wash under the house. Oh, okay. Would would it be advantageous to to put like cement or something in there first and no. then seal it? No, just use no. that regular material for expansion joints uh in driveways and stuff and that'll be just fine oh okay Cause cool. it, it's a rubberized material so it's it's real uh pliable to you put that to on with like a caulking in. gun yep just a regular caulking gun oh okay cool all right well thanks very much i appreciate you bet. it take care steven you doing all right today i'm doing great how are you jim i'm doing okay how can i help you good uh, well, we've got an upstairs bathroom that uh, we don't use it, uh, the sink. We don't use the sink in that bathroom uh, because it clogs up. And it fills up with water, even though we don't use the water in it, and, uh, unexpectedly. It just fills up with water slowly. Every now and then we have to take cups and, and drain it, pour it down the bathtub. Yep. And I can't explain it. Uh, we've had some plumbers look at it, and we've heard all kinds of different stories. Uh, Drano fixes it temporarily. It'll be good for a couple weeks, and then it'll start building up water again. You know, every couple of hours, uh, we, we have to drain it. Uh, we go to sleep at night, we drain it. We wake up, we have to drain it again. Man, that makes for a no-vacation kind of lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what it could be. I heard it could be the AC system draining well, into the That's what I was just going to ask you. Is the AC draining into it? I think so, but uh, they said it's not clogged. The house well, was built in 98. Yeah. The line obviously is clogged somewhere with something. Uh, and if the AC is draining into it, it, it explains what's going on. The way you can tell if it's the AC or not, uh, as the water's getting in there, it's going to be cold water. And It is. Okay, it, it's definitely the AC draining into it. And it fills up faster as the AC works harder. Yep. Yeah, so we, we pretty much we're, we're going to be assured that's the AC. So it's a matter of where's the clog in the line. Now, when they've worked on it, did they, did they take the P-trap apart and try running a snake through the wall? I don't think they took uh, very much apart. Okay, I'm, I'm betting that where the issue is is right where the P-trap, it could be in the ba- base of the P-trap, or or uh, real close to it because if it's on the second floor, once the water goes into the wall, it's going to drop down. So it's telling me it's clogging underneath, and it's probably nothing more than sludge over the years has built up, and those lines just need to be cleaned out. So if if it was mine, what I would do is get all the water out of it, put a pan underneath there, and take that P-trap apart and clean everything out real good. Get a hand crank type snake to to run through the wall just to verify that, you know, a piece of plastic or something got in the way that's periodically plugging it up just to verify that we got everything cleaned out. Put it back together and I'm betting you won't have any more problems. Okay. 
Thanks for the but, help. But when you take it apart, be prepared. It's probably going to have all kinds of hair, slime, and black gunk in there, and that's what's plugging it up. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Go to our first call of the day. We're headed to Beaumont. Jan, how are you? I'm okay. And you? I'm doing well. I have a 100-year-old house that refuses to fall down. <laughs> uh, so, I know, I know, a heart of pine or something. So, I don't know where to start in determining whether I should try to fix it up or whether I should just push it down. Well, why would you want to push it down? Because I'm afraid of snakes. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that, that's why I haven't refurbed it before, but uh, where should I start? Well, well, let's start with what's wrong with the house. I mean, uh, is, did, did the, does the roof leak? Yes. Well, that would be one of the big things you're going to have to take care of. So in a leaking roof, has it caused wood rot? Okay. Uh, the other thing would be, you know, how stable is the foundation? Beaumont has some really bad soils. They move a lot. So you, you probably need a little bit of leveling done, but uh, I'm assuming if it's 100 years old, it's probably a block and base, correct? Correct. So that shouldn't be too big a deal to to get that leveled unless the water damage has rotted the foundation part of it. Uh, but after that, it's, it's really just a matter of building out the inside. I mean... Uh, a hundred-year-old house. When was how old's the electric system in it? A hundred years old. Ooh, yeah. So you're looking at definitely a major upgrade there, uh, because you're still going to have the old cloth-wrapped wire in, right. in a hundred-year-old house. Uh, in fact, electricity was more than likely added to the house. It probably wasn't in it when it was built. Uh, oh, okay. And that—that's reason I was wondering. You know, what you can do is. Like when you go up in the attic, if you have cloth wire versus the old knob and tube where where it's got the knobs and the wires are bare, wrap around those little t knobs and go off to the next one, uh, you know, that, that actually is an indication of the age of the, the wiring. But I, I can figure that it more than likely is going to need upgrading. Do you have breakers or does it have uh, fuses still? Fuses, as I recall. Ah, yeah. How big a house is it? Um, I think it's about a thousand five hundred square feet. Um, mm -hmm. The additions fell off, but the the one that the main part of the house that was built a hundred years ago, it's still standing, still okay. standing. Any personal history with the house, or any historic connections to this house of any kind? Uh, yes, it was from my uh, grandfather's uh, family, and um, yeah, it's in Newton, actually, in the middle of the woods. Okay. Okay. You know, I hate to tear a house down. Uh, I bought, in fact, I bought a, a place, Kitty Corner, from one of my offices one time just because they were in such bad shape, and everybody said, oh, you're going to have to tear them down. Uh, you know, the, the framework was good still. Well, if the framework was good, then I just replaced the wiring, redid all the sheetrock and new siding on it and stuff. 
Because it costs money to tear a house down as well as get back up to the point where you've got a framework. And so um, for me, it was more cost effective not to tear it down. And you know, I'm, it kind of sounds like you may be in that same boat. Plus, on top of that, there's some personal connections to the house. Yes. So I would yeah. look at rebuilding it. Okay. I'll look at rebuilding it. Thank what, you. what part of Beaumont? Where is it at around there? No, it's in it's in Newton County. It's on an um the original Choctaw reservation and there's nothing but hardwoods around it ah. and it's close to a creek. Yeah. Oh my it's it you know it sounds like one of those places fixed up will probably be a gorgeous place to go to. You're right. You're right. Besides that, it's just money. What else are you going to do with it? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, Jan, good luck with fixing that up. Thank you. Jimmy, you doing all right today? Yes, sir. And you? Oh, I'm doing great. That's good. I have a question about that uh, that new plastic plumbing, the stuff that uh, snaps together. Okay, are you, are you talking about? That? Are you talking about PEX? Yeah. I, okay. I forgot what it was called. Yeah. Um, how does that work with uh, uh, freezing weather? Actually, very well because uh, if yeah. if uh, the water in it freezes, PEX is expandable and then shrinks back down to its original size. So it, it doesn't burst like uh, like PVC pipes or uh, galvanize or copper or any of those kind of pipes. It, it has flexibility. The place that you got to watch, though, is the elbows. If you put a hard elbow in it, which in most cases you don't need to, but if any place where you do have a hard elbow, that can still freeze and break. But for most things, you're not using elbows. Uh, that pipe is flexible enough. You just curve the pipe and keep going oh uh, okay is it uh expensive for like a, a two-story house no no it's definitely less expensive than going with uh definitely less expensive than copper and in most cases it's going to be less expensive than even going with pvc plumbing okay and well, and it's uh, easier to install how long would it take to do a, a two-story house with Three bathrooms and uh, the kitchen. Is this a uh, new construction or, or retrofitting? No, no, it's a, it, it's old. It's a built-in '66, I think. Well, if you're retrofitting it, you know, obviously I haven't looked at it, but because it's two-story and, and the number of fixtures you just talked about, you're probably looking at two, maybe three days. Tom, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing fine, thanks. I have a four-inch corrugated drain pipe buried beneath a sidewalk that my gutters drain into. Okay. And I had a guy out last week to try to clear them out. Not that they were plugged, but I just felt like some leaves and other stuff had gathered in there and one of them gone. And this guy used one of those bladders that you put on the hose and stick it in the pipe and go from there. Yeah. And when he finished, he pulled his bladder out, and about three-quarters of the bladder was missing. 
mm. which means it's in the drain pipe somewhere. Probably. And this drain pipe runs about 60 feet to a pop-up drain uh, down further to the north side of my house. Any any idea how I can get that broken bladder out of that drain pipe? Yeah, you're, you're going to end up removing the pop-up drain? Yes. And literally flushing it out of there. But that takes a tremendous amount of water, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, but hopefully... When they when he did that, when it blew, hopefully it blew into small enough pieces that it'll flow down. Now, rather than using a bladder like that, uh, he should have hydrojetted it. And to get that bladder out, uh, a hydrojet may t- do a better job of, of getting it out of there, and it won't use as much water as trying to fill that four-inch pipe with water to flush it out. Yeah. Hydrojets, that's the, the thing with the forward and the backward spraying head yep. that you hook yep. up to a high-pressure washer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what I'll have to do. Yeah, that, that should get it out of there. Because All right, even, even if it's uh, too big to just wash down, the hydrojet sh- you know, should get onto the front of it and be able to be pushed down then. You would hope so, yeah. yeah. All right, sir. I appreciate it. All right, Tom. You take care. You as well. Thank you. Harold, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Hey, uh, backup generators. Uh, We're losing electricity quite frequently out here, and our whole electrical grid is becoming less reliable. You see these different backup generator systems advertised on TV late at night. Yep. for people who are getting older, they need the refrigerator running because they have insulin medications, your freezers, um, your oxygen equipment. People who are aging and want to stay in their house. What are your opinions on some of these generators? Oh, I think they're great. Uh, Generac makes one of the best ones on the market. And, uh, you know, you need to have them professionally installed is the big thing. You can have a backup generator to plug your refrigerator in if you want. But if you're going to have it where it automatically comes on and, and starts replacing the power to the house, you want to have a professional do that part of it. Uh, because if it's hooked up wrong, it feeds back into the power lines. And when the repair guys are out trying to fix the lines, you can electrocute them. And you just don't want to be doing that. So, um, But backup generators, man, they... they they work great. I mean, uh, other parts of the state, like you get down along the coast where where they keep having the hurricanes and stuff, I mean, it's almost a necessity that you have a backup generator. Well, that's what I'm encouraging folks who are, are getting older and want to remain in their house, that um, the cost of those units, they appear to be pretty you know, cost-effective the way they advertise them late at night and having them installed. So it's, it's, it's something that would pay for itself four or five years down the road or 10 years if you're going to remain in that house, a wise uh, investment. I, I would tend to disagree with you on that. Okay. Uh, it, it, it is strictly if you don't want the inconvenience. I mean, if your power is only going out for a, an hour or two at a time and comes back on, uh, your refrigerator is going to stay plenty cold to keep any medican medications, all frozen foods and all that kind of stuff with no problems at all. What backup generators are for is if, if you're in an area where the grid goes down for two or three days at a time, you want a backup generator. But if it's just for an hour or two, uh, they are pretty pricey. I mean, 
if you're getting a whole house unit, you're talking twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. Now, a little generator, like I said, for just plugging the refrigerator in or something, yeah, you can do that for a few hundred bucks. But the whole house system, you're looking at probably fifteen thousand then. Twelve, twelve, fifteen thousand, yeah. Okay. It, and yeah. more depending on the size of the house and if you want to run the air conditioner or not. Okay. Those are things just as we as we age and staying in our houses, those are things we need to know. Thanks oh, for the yeah. answer. Yep. Okay. Well Thank sir, you. You bet. Take care. And again, I love backup generators. I I think they're a, a great thing, but you you've got to have the need for it and it is not something that will ever truly pay for itself it is a convenience and that's really what what they are judy how are you today i'm i'm doing great thank you so much for taking my call you bet i have a question uh i am going to have a house built uh they finally got the permit and so they have leveled the ground and i see that they put the forms down and they did some you know digging i guess for the piping i found the plan you know that they had left in between the wood and I opened it up and I took a picture of it. I just was curious to see, you know, what all it said. And under the special foundation notes, or yeah, it says soil improvement required five inch moisture conditioning. Ah. What what does that mean and who has to do that? Okay. I'm gonna put you on hold for a minute because we gotta take a break for news traffic and weather. And we're going to come back and address that because that's one of those things that bites a lot of people in the butt. Are you there, Judy? I am. Okay. So on your plans that you found, uh, you said it said four or five inches or four or five feet? Well, it's five and then the little mark. Is that feet or Yes, ma'am. One, one little mark is feet. Okay, sorry. So. Yeah. Yes, it says soil improvement required five feet moisture conditioning. Okay. Did, uh, I'm assuming you had a soils report done then, right? A what? Uh, a, an engineer, a soils report done where they came out and drilled and tested the soil? I would hope so because this is, uh, it's uh, through history, maker homes. Okay, so you're, you're using a, uh, it's not a custom home then, it's, it's a track builder? Yes. Okay. Ah, here's the issue. They ain't doing that. They're not. I'm. I will bet you a hundred dollars they're not doing it. Um, because if all they did is come in and start digging, you know, set the forms and start digging, uh, and they didn't do any soil prep first, then they're not doing that. And read to me exactly what it said. Okay. Um, first, it says this drawing is primarily for beam and cable placement. The contractor is required to coordinate this foundation plan with the architectural drawing for offsets, drops, openings, and inserted items. Contractor shall verify all dimensions and field conditions before construction of slats. Anchor locations may be adjusted to no more than six feet to provide proper clearance from pipes. Nortex cannot be held liable for any contractor oversight in this regard. And number two says soil improvement required five-foot moisture conditioning. Okay. And what that typically means is they needed to come in and do some injection work. 
that means injection? yes where they they came in and injected uh either chemicals or moisture into the soil uh there should be should be another section that would get more specific on that but that that engineer is being very specific that that needs to be done and you're going to want to make sure that something does happen on that because you're, you're obviously dealing with some very expansive soils and it'll tend to move on you if, if it's not done. Wow. And if the builder says, no, we're not doing it? Don't buy it. Okay. Okay. They would have to give me back all my money, right? If they're not following what the engineer said, you would, you would win that case, yes. Okay. All right. I am so glad I saw this, and I'm so glad I called. Now, you said you did get a picture of it, right? I did. Make sure you keep that picture because you may need that down the road. Because, yeah, if they're not, if they're not doing the soil stabilization that way, uh, it, it's going to be an issue. Okay. I make, I make a good living fixing foundations behind stuff like that little clause right there. Say that again, please. I make a good living fixing foundations behind that little clause right there because wow. it's shortcut all the time. And the, and that's that's a huge area right there because what they'll look at, the engineers will say, this is required. But then the builders tend to look at it and say, well, it's only got three inches of, of movement possible and chances of it going over an inch and a half are not that much we'll leave it we'll take that risk well it's not them who's taking the risk it's you because they right. only cover that foundation typically for the first 10 years after that it's yours most homeowners don't notice the problem until the house is about 18 years old and it's already moved an inch and a half you're right and, you know, and the problem with this is uh, I have very little, uh, I'm going to have very little uh, yard on one side of the house. And then they had to do a, uh, like a retaining wall. Uh -huh. So I might have maybe, maybe four feet from where the house is to where that drop is. And how big a drop is it? Oh, I'm going to say about four feet. Yeah, see, Again, you got to watch that as well because you got to be at least, if it's going to be a four foot drop, you want to be at least over four feet away from it, that 45 degree repose. Because otherwise, mm -hmm. if anything moves the least little bit, so does your foundation. Wow. Yeah, and that scares me because this is a two story house. Yeah. <laughs> 4,200 square feet. So mm. I, you know. I, and I guess they don't expect me to notice these things, but I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty good with a hammer and, yeah. you know, and I, I've learned a thing or two and I hear your show and, you know, so I start, you know, I guess people just don't go out there and look and notice and read. I do. Well, I mean, because this is problem, a big investment. The problem in Texas is everybody trusts that the builder knows what he's doing. Right. And the builder does it to make money for the company. That's it. Exactly. They're not doing yep. what's always necessarily in your best interest, and all they're trying to do is make sure it makes it past the warranty time. And I know I'm upsetting a lot of builders right now, and that's just too bad because that's just the way it is. Uh, right. The, 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 the thing is it doesn't take that much to make it right. And, and in the case like you're talking about, 
a little bit of soil injection and the project is right. Right. Okay. Well. So get get with the the salesperson and you know see what they're gonna do about it. But make sure you do it before they start setting all the the pipes and foundation. And I know they got the exactly. framework going in already. The the forms, but uh, now's the time where you got to catch that. Okay, and that's 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 great to hear. Thank you very very much for your advice. Oh, not a problem at all. And your knowledge. <laughs> if you don't mind, let me know how that turns out. I will. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 